1: everyone welcome to episode 30 you're listening to the nature inspired podcast a sustainable fashion podcast inspired by nature aimed to educate and inspire you The consumer, industry professional, individual, or fashion brand to rethink what fashion is supposed to mean and how we connect with it as a society. It's built to help you learn, engage, and act with curiosity. I'm your host, Chris Herrera, and you can find show notes for every episode, along with additional notes and resources at naturespire.com. In case I haven't mentioned it in previous episodes, I'm going to be doing this intro every time, um, just in case we're getting new listeners in that want to know what the podcast is about. So I'm going to be doing that intro every time. Today I'm very excited about this episode because I will be sharing a conversation that I had with Christina from The Vintage Seeker where we talked all about the pros and the cons of the secondhand fashion market. We also talked about innovation and how the secondhand or resale market contributes to innovation on a industry-wide scale. We talk about the difference between reduce and reuse and how each of those elements play their own part in the secondhand fashion scene. Um, But before we get into this episode and before I give off too much information, I wanted to just take a quick minute to properly introduce Christina and what she does. Christina believes in the power of small businesses to make a difference in their local community and is proud to have developed a social enterprise that provides a platform for independent shop owners. In October 2022, she launched her newest development, the Vintage Seller Community, which is a professional development and networking membership designed for sellers to engage and improve their businesses. It provides educational seminars, peer support, networking, and so many other good stuff to help vintage and secondhand businesses thrive. Um, I'm so excited for you guys to hear her perspective on all things secondhand in this conversation. So without getting too carried away, let's dive in to this episode, shall we? All right. So thank you so much, Christina, for joining me on the podcast. I am so excited to have you here before we get started. Could you um, just state your name for the audience and what you do? And then we'll get into all the fun things about the secondhand industry.
2: Sure. So I'm Christina Urquhart. I'm the founder of the Vintage Seeker and the Vintage Sellers community. And I connect consumers with sellers via a website, newsletter, and uh, social media community. We talk a lot about the secondhand industry, uh, the people behind it, and where people can find cool things.
1: Awesome. I'm so excited to learn more about the Vintage Seeker and everything about that. But before we do... Um, We're going to talk about the pros and cons of secondhand fashion, innovation, and then we'll dive into what the Vintage Seeker does and any fun projects that you have going on. So to get started, we know the basics of what the fashion court issues are, right? We know that there's overproduction, there's disproportionate wealth, unethical labor practices, environmental damage, et cetera, et cetera. The list goes on. Um, But do you think the secondhand fashion um, uh, that secondhand fashion addresses these issues in an impactful enough way to make a difference for the industry?
2: That is a great question, Chris. I I have multiple answers to that. I think I'll start by saying that from a mindset perspective, the secondhand industry addresses that uh, amongst consumers. I think that the rise of the industry, or I'll call it the market, the rise of the secondhand market, has really changed people's perceptions about what is available to them that already exists in the built environment. So I think it has a lot of people looking at things that they may already have, that they may uh, see that already exist, and give them a chance. I think when we're talking about the circular economy, the secondhand market is a critical wedge in it. It covers repair and reuse and sharing and renting and rewearing all of that stuff. So secondhand is inherent to the idea of reducing waste because we're using, like I said, stuff that already exists. Does it actually stop the things like overconsumption and you know, human rights. But I, no, no, I, I can't say that it stops it, but it's got people thinking about it a bit more, I think, which is a really positive thing.
1: Yeah, 100%. Um, When we talk about the secondhand market, um, the sector, would you view it? because I remember when it started, there was a lot of sustainability talk about it. Um, Would you view it as a movement, as a sustainability movement, or just another sector of fashion solely focused on on profits without addressing the main issues?
2: So I think it depends which part of the market that you are talking about. The people that I deal with are independent sellers for the most part. These are Single person business owners that are truly, most of them, very dedicated to the environmental aspect, the sustainability aspect. They want to save stuff from the landfill. They want us to reuse things. They're not coming at it from the same way that, say, a fashion brand might be coming from it. So Mm -hmm. I think when we're talking about uh, what big brands are doing, you know, I always call it firsthand retail in my, um, you know, attempt to delineate the two. I think that, that has some more questions around it in terms of, is it actually sustainability focused or is it, we're just capitalizing on something that we've seen, but that we've seen has really grown online. Like a stuff. trend. Right. Yeah, You know, they see what the community uh, the consumer trend is online. They see the fact that people are buying and selling on all of these marketplace apps, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, to be fair, they want to get in on it. Um, but is that going to lead to less production overall i don't i don't think so i mean i think it's very it's very early days to see if that's going to have any tangible impact on the way that they operate on that level
1: yeah that's that's a really nicely eloquated way to put it because that's exactly how I feel when I was seeing the movement come up it was first very exciting but then I would see like H&M launched like their re reuse or re whatever it doesn't matter Rewear, <laughs> um, I think it was Rewear, but... yeah. Um, and that kind of like It made me sink a little bit and then seeing just all these bigger brands doing it. It shows that they're kind of approaching it as a trend, not necessarily, like you said, a necessary step towards the circular system. And what really needs to happen is like reduced production. So yeah, that's really well put. Um, We've talked so far, we've briefly talked about a few pros of the industry, Or the market just by conversing. Um, But I would love it if you could list out a few of the benefits that you've identified um, that this secondhand market has brought to the overall industry.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, like I said before, I think that that mindset shift, where when it comes to sustainability, is an important one. You know, I think we have to start somewhere um, with consumers and a lot of consumers are really used to consuming the way that we have been consuming since you know the 50s where it's just overconsumption all the time they want what they want so i think secondhand is sort of the first step towards reducing waste um having that that those conversations about about sustainability about the environment so on that level i think it's been a pro um I also think it's been a pro because we're talking a bit more about quality again, in terms of the longevity of products. So a lot of stuff, now it's not all secondhand, obviously you can get secondhand things that are fast fashion. Um, But when we're talking about vintage and a lot of the older items, it has a lot of people noticing that the way that these products were made is very different than the way that products today are made. Right? Mm-hmm. Yes, big time. So, yeah, so it's it's really been interesting. You know, people are seeing what they can get for, say, an equivalent price at a, you know, firsthand retail store. They can get something that has la- already lasted for 30 years and doesn't seem to be falling apart. So I think consumers are becoming a bit more savvy about that stuff. And that's been a really big pro.
1: Yeah, another, like, adding to that, I, I feel like, one of the things that has been really great about it exploding is one exactly that they're noticing that products were made better back then and because of that it might it makes like the the clock kind of turn in the head thinking like okay this is actually how things should be made you know I feel like what second hand does now is it really is it will start to push even the first um hand (laughs) brands like retail uh brands to create products that will last longer because they have to think about the second hand they have to think about the resale value um for the past especially the past 20 years from the early 2000s to now I feel like there's been so much focus on like wear toss wear toss that the Um, brands never really had to think about how well the product would perform after a while. And also consumers weren't looking for vintage clothes. Um, So they didn't really see how good products actually were made. So now that that's becoming more apparent, you, you start to notice these things, you start to demand like better from brands so that things stay in the system a little longer so that i think is a really big pro and i also feel like from a personal perspective like as a consumer i feel like it helps you feel confident in clothes with history and personality it's like you're wearing something that has had a, its own story and you're like carrying it on so i think that's that's really really cool
2: um that individuality piece is a big one actually it's I think the exposure of the secondhand market on social media especially has gotten people to think a lot more about the way that they style themselves, how they express themselves, like you were saying, Um, and that's kind of helping them to be more aware. And, you know, these inventories are just so fabulous with all of these incredible pieces. And I think that people are just becoming a lot more aware of the possibilities of what they can do with what we already have.
1: Um, Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about the misconception about secondhand fashion reducing waste. Um, Because secondhand fashion doesn't necessarily remove any waste from the fashion industry. And the reason why I'm bringing it up is because I find that a lot of bigger brands, not the smaller ones, but the bigger ones are like, we are reducing waste, we're doing better for our industry. Um, But it is a misconception secondhand fashion does not reduce it but it instead diverts it from the landfill and repurposes it in a new exciting and innovative way um have you dealt with this misconception in your line of work and if so how do you help people or consumers or businesses whoever understand the part secondhand fashion plays in the fashion industry and what still needs to be done from a circularity perspective
2: It's a great question. I think, you know, you had a good uh, good word there, divert from the landfill. And this this stuff is all going to end up in the landfill at at some point, right? At some point, it will be broken down enough that it can't be used anymore, that no part of it, you know, is, is viable. And I think that that's a piece that's really missing from this whole conversation is that the fact that we actually need more ways to recycle all the bits of what we're using in pursuit of a true circular economy and to also have a bit of a throttling on that production piece as well. You know, I think when I'm talking about independent sellers, a lot of them use the line of we're saving things from landfill, you know, when they're trying to talk to consumers because they're just trying to get that, that piece, um, that thinking piece to happen, you know, well, we want to save this stuff because we don't want to create more waste. Um, But I think a bigger part of the conversation that ends up happening and some of the stuff that I've I've covered um, as well is talking about what happens to an item after it goes to where a consumer thinks that it ends up, which is, say, the thrift store or, you know, that's actually just the first stop in its journey um after it goes to the thrift store it, you know the stuff that isn't isn't bought or purchased from there I should say ends up at uh in the fashion world ends up at a rag house and from there we have people who are in the vintage industry who go through and pick all the clothing and we have um people come in to use some of that stuff for rags like they're used in manufacturing and all that kind of stuff but everything that doesn't get taken from that spot as you know ends up get getting shipped overseas to the global south, and what happens there is it ends up in in markets and when it's not sold there then it ends up you know in landfill there it ends up in their oceans on their beaches um, and it is a huge piece of the conversation that I think is missing from the I don't want to say mainstream conversation but you know until you really start getting into the secondhand industry As an average consumer, you don't know most of this stuff, right? It's never, (laughs) brands aren't talking about it. (laughs) Nobody's talking. 100%. So, you know, I think that that is a critical thing. It's just constant awareness. And I think that we've we've covered that hurdle of people getting over the stigma secondhand, because that was a huge thing for a really long time. You know, people are very much embracing it now. So, okay, what's the next part of the story? Well, we need to talk about the fact that there can be overconsumption in secondhand, that, you know, we actually have to change our consumer behavior in the way that we consume everything. And that doesn't just apply to, you know, when we go to the mall, if anybody goes to the mall anymore, um, or, you know, (laughs) whether we're shopping at a secondhand store, it all has to change.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, One thing that you mentioned there that I did want to point out again, I did talk about this once on um, another interview that I had with Amy from the the underground, um, the vintage underground in Whistler, um, but I want to point it out again because that was a while ago. And that was the waste that also happens at the rag house that's being shipped overseas. That is definitely something that isn't talked about enough and isn't understood. And it isn't something necessarily that um, resellers can do anything about. That's really um, something that major brands can do and have a responsibility to, um, to invest in because I feel like um, what happens first? Let's just talk about where it goes. It goes to like where you were saying the global south. It ends up in deserts in Chile, waste fields in Ghana, and in places where um, normally there isn't the amount of uh, manpower or internal infrastructure or government infrastructure to take care of the waste that is, that is just dumped there by us over here. Um, and I think that's a key point of the industry that needs to be addressed from a more, um, innovative perspective, because when things are at that level, there is, there is now, um, innovative ways to break them down into like microfibers to make new clothes into recycled materials it's possible it just costs a pretty penny and um I think that's one thing that definitely needs to be talked about more is that um recycling after secondhand is already done That already still needs to take. It still has work to be done. And I know I'm going off a little bit here, but I'll continue um, because I think it's really important um, that people understand that even though something is secondhand, there is still an insane amount of waste that goes on in the secondhand industry too, or the market, because there is just an insane amount of waste. There's amount, there's enough clothes in this world to wrap the world around 80 times. And that's a lot. Mm-hmm. So like, that's something that I feel like a lot of people forget because they think, oh, I'm buying secondhand. It's like, great, which is it really is. And at this point, it's no longer the consumer's responsibility. And for those listening buy secondhand, feel guilt free about it. Um, because it's not your responsibility. It's more of like a, a bigger um, industry responsibility. Yeah,
2: you know, I love that you pointed that out. Because I see that a lot in this industry. I think consumers are taking on so much of this burden, um, just with that that guilt. And so are resellers. And it's been played out on social media. If you follow any of this stuff, there have been some vitriolic conversations between resellers and consumers. But nobody's turning around to the brands, and nobody's turning around to the government to say, "Hey, you know, um, where's the industry in all this? Where are you to help with?" Some of the stuff that's happening here. A lot of these independent people, they're just they're just trying to make a living in the world that we live in, you know? And I think yeah, there is this tension where they don't want to be part of the problem of overconsumption and waste. They're passionate about the environment, about saving things. So many of them are thrifting things for their own shops, racking, hangers, reusing packaging when they ship items. And I really admire oh, yeah. that and we don't we don't see that on a higher level. And That is so troubling to me, the fact that consumers walk around with this horrible feeling about consumption and climate change, and everybody else is just doing the same thing that they've been doing for the last 50 years, you know?
1: And yeah, 100%. And while we walk through life feeling guilty, the ones who are banking in the billions are sitting there in probably a place filled by nature because they can afford it and having no problem so I think that's um that's one thing I noticed even when I started my sustainable fashion journey was the the guilt I felt as a consumer and now I'm like it's not my responsibility fully it is my responsibility to do what I can and to change my own behavior and that's it there's not much that I can do after that so I think, yes, that's very important. What needs to be done from a consumer perspective is to call on brands and um, regu- regulators as well um, to make fast fashion regulation a thing. You know, I feel like, and we need regulation that reduces production. And I hope with the New York Fashion Act it that makes some changes, but that's still underway. So yeah, I feel like I'm going off topic, but, you know, I feel like that's very
2: important to, to mention. No, I agree. I agree. I think, um, you know, people need to demand better of brands when, especially when they debut a resale program, what is that really for? It's, you know, it's part of their business model. It's a, it's a new revenue stream. So, exactly, you know, I do like what you said earlier about the fact that, you know, maybe it'll change uh, the way that they, they produce eventually. I don't know. That remains to be seen, but
1: hopefully yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna switch directions a teensy weensy bit and i want to talk about the recent ThreadUp annual report for a second so it's ThreadUp's 11th report and they've shared some pretty interesting information about where the secondhand sector is going um for those of you who haven't read it i'm just gonna say a few key points about the report before we get talking about it so you all are on the same page so According to the report, the resale market has tripled in sales between the last 10 years from occupying only 3% of the total market share in 2012 to occupying 9% of total market share in 2022. Um, keep in mind, these are US-based stats only. And this report suggests that we could see this sector double from its current percentage to up to 18 percent in the next 10 years and is expected to be nearly 90 billion uh, a 90 billion market in the next 10 years growing faster than any other channel what are your thoughts when you hear those stats do you think that analysis or prediction is a good thing for fashion or does it kind of start ringing some like
2: warning bells I mean, there's some warning bells from a consumption perspective, I think, when we're talking about, you know, the way that we tend to grow in our society, the way that economies tend to grow, the way that markets and industry tends to grow. From my perspective, as somebody who works with independent sellers, I'm, of course, happy to see the growth of the market. I, you know, the fact that this is something that's viable that people can do uh, for a living is really important. You know, the fact that there's, there's enough room for all of these people. And I think beneath that is the troubling fact, which is actually just that there's that there's that many clothes available that so many people can do this, you know, full time. So it's sort of a it's sort of a mixed bag. It's a double edged sword for me, all the metaphors, I guess. But uh, yes, it's, I think overall, it's good, especially when I look at those pages in that report, and I see the secondhand portion of people's closets, they have this This great little analogy of how much of people's closets are comprised of secondhand versus first uh, firsthand or versus stuff that they've bought at consignment and all these different. And when I see secondhand growing and the fast fashion piece staying stagnant or decreasing over the next five to seven years, those are the things that I like to see.
1: Yeah, that's true. There was a small thing that you mentioned there that got my brain whirling. (laughs) And you mentioned how the industry views growth. There's an issue with how the industry views growth. And that and its own is something that I really wanted to mention because that is a, one of the warning bells that goes off in my head too, is like, wow, it's very concerning that that means that there's going to be so much waste. And I think the solution to that is the industry, I feel like needs to focus on the degrowth, you know, which broadly means shrinking rather than growing for those who don't know what that term means. Um, so that we can use like less energies, less resources and whatever. And I feel like when the fashion industry thinks of degrowth, they think that doesn't mean uh, no financial gain. They think that means that the industry doesn't advance. And that's just not true. Um, There are ways that we can change the methods that we measure growth from solely considering the sale and resale of physical products um, that produce astronomical waste to looking at different ways that can advance the industry. Like, you know, Um, I'm going to get very digital and futuristic for a moment but a way that we could even like make fashion still feel like you're connecting with it and still grow and still be profitable is through um, digital like uh, fashion as well I find that that has been a huge thing that is going to keep growing as um what's the digital world thing called? Not is Web the three. metaverse?
2: Web3, metaverse, all of it. <laughs>
1: yeah, it, yes, yes, yes. Like Web3, metaverse, all of those things. There's ways that we can create community and build really great fashion designs and like have a really nice like fashion industry growth, both financial and from a consumer perspective in a digital way without producing so much growth. So I feel like when I look at those that stat like the whole thing the whole industry as a whole i'm looking at like okay where's the digital sector like we need to see that grow and see the physical um uh, the physical products decrease because that doesn't necessarily mean that we will run out of physical products there is enough to go around
2: yeah you know it's interesting you pointed that out i always i always approach web 3 and the metaverse or whatever as uh i don't mean to sound so flippant but um you know, I, I approach it with a bit of a arm's length because when we talk about growing digital, we're talking about the infrastructure that we need to make that happen. That generally means mining and all kinds of things that need to happen to have servers and batteries and all this kind of stuff. So it's it's tricky when we're talking about like replacing one thing versus another. I will say that mm. that one of the things I think on on waste reduction that stuck out to me from the report was... That, you know, US consumers are buying so much secondhand now that ThreadUp found that more than one third of retailers say that if their resale programs are successful, they'd cut production of their new products. And Ooh. yes, so at the at the current growth rate, if retailers produce one fewer for every one fewer item for every item that consumers purchase secondhand instead of new, it could curb production by nearly eight percent by 2027. Wow, that's that pretty a good. My question is, why are we not already doing that? Doing this. <laughs> why are we waiting around to see if the resale program is effective? So I think that's that's the piece that again comes back to the onus being on the brands a bit to say, hey, yeah, you have the statistic. We came up with this. Let's action this instead of you know waiting around. And that's a that's a huge mindset shift that I think is. Like you said, not up to the consumer, unfortunately. A
1: hundred percent. Yeah. And I think, yeah, the brands definitely have the, the responsibility there. And when you get really into the operations of businesses and stuff like that, I feel like bigger corporations and stuff it can get so much more detailed on like what the issues are that are actually producing these issues or causing these issues. And a big of them is also mindset, but from a leadership perspective. And it's usually that like, oh, but we've been doing this for so long. This has been successful for so long. I don't want to change. And usually the way that the world works right now, the older you get, the more seniority you have, the more power you have on making really big decisions. And that has a huge impact on the industry as a whole because if you're operating a multi-million billion dollar corporation with a mindset that you started with 25 years ago, um, it's hard to build innovative models and changing the way that you work because you're so used to going about it a certain way and it's been profitable that way too. So thinking about a different way of profiting that could potentially be a pro, could potentially be a con for the, for your revenues and can put you into shit with your stakeholders Mm -hmm. and stuff. It's, it's frightening, especially for people who have been there for years and years and years, but it's absolutely essential. And that's not an excuse.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that's why the circular economy is so, it's so hard to realize in a way, because it's, it's a circle. It's not that pyramid that we've been used to with somebody at the top it's everybody working together from different streams um people at every point in the process so
1: yep okay i want to bring um to our attention another thing i want to talk about and that's innovation Uh, I have my own ideas of how secondhand fashion can bring innovation to other sectors of the industry. But before I ramble, I'd love to hear from your perspective first. So are there any ways that you believe secondhand fashion could drive innovation to the fashion industry as a whole?
2: Yeah, so I think that's that's a big question. It's probably going to have a bit, bit of a big answer. I think on a sort of micro level, when we're talking about what already exists in the industry, we're looking at a lot of upcycling that we've seen happen. Um, there are more and more shops offering it. Uh, it's very big on social media to change, you know, fashion pieces into something else. So from a techniques per se- perspective, um, that's something that is is really nice because we're looking at things with new eyes, right? Fresh eyes, where you're finding new ways to use them, finding ways to make sure that things don't go to waste. On that same line, I think, you know, when we're looking at vintage garments, especially they they're got better construction and I talked about it earlier, but people are taking notice of this stuff and, you know, on a people, small makers are using some of these techniques that were popular 50 years ago. It's becoming, you know, um, something that they're using themselves on, on new items. I think, yeah. you know, when we're talking about mindset again, that. Rise in popularity has, you know, made people think twice about a lot of stuff. Millennials and Gen Zs are very big proponents of the environment and sustainability, and it's got them thinking a little bit more about their consumer habits. So that's another piece of innovation, sort of on a more, I guess, uh, mind level. I think from a technology perspective, uh, you know, we talked a bit about technology and digital things, but the pandemic saw a lot of people hopping online to sell in a way that they never really had before. And that's led to all kinds of new technological innovations when it comes to resale platforms and e-commerce and peer-to-peer exchange, auctions, apps, all this stuff. These brands are now embracing a lot of this stuff. So we've seen a lot of innovation um, in the way that fashion is consumed and the way that it's offered to the consumer. So again, I'm not confident that when the dust settles, that that'll actually be a waste reduction thing, but it's, it's been innovative in for the industry. And yeah, for sure. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. If you have yeah. some.
1: No, uh, actually mine was very similar to what you were thinking about, uh, of cycling and, um, like patchwork and reworking, um, no longer, usable or pre-existing garments or torn textiles into completely new designs I feel like that on its own could be something that is used industry wide I don't necessarily think that it could just be um solely uh used in the secondhand sector I think that is something that could be widely um adopted i saw this on on next in fashion um the person who won next in fashion i'm not sure if you saw it but I, I can't remember his name but basically his whole brand his whole personality was upcycling and he made like really cool designs just by upcycling um clothes and that was his his um his uh i'm losing my english right now what is the thing uh his, Selling point, unique selling point. I think that's the word. (laughs) Um, And I think brands can take from that and they can create like upcycled or patchwork style collections from the cutoffs from their production lines and taking back old clothes and reworking them into new ones. Kind of like what you were saying that the secondhand industry is already doing. I feel like that mindset or like that production system can be reworked and also like taken into different sectors of the industry from a more like bigger scale because the amount of off-cut waste that isn't gone to dead stock and we're now we're talking fabric we're not talking end of end of uh like the production we're not talking a final garment If we're just talking about the fabric waste that gets cut when you're on that big, you know, line and there's all these different fabric pieces that could be set aside instead of tossed because it really is tossed. It can't be used and sold anywhere else Um, that could be set aside and brands can have like an upcycled or patchwork collection from the offcuts. And it's also showing the whole industry that there are better and more innovative sewing techniques and garment making techniques, like you were saying, out there that can require less material and less waste. So even if it's not directly, the secondhand market can influence the industry to reduce waste on a larger scale. That's kind of what, what I was thinking. I know. I think
2: that's a great point. And I think it it just speaks to the fact that the these the secondhand market and the you know the a uh, fashion market need to be um, a bit more closely in, entwined than they currently are. You know, I think we're seeing some of that happening when we see brands doing their own resale resale programs. Like I said, but really taking some of the the ethos or the the mindset of the people who are in big players in this secondhand market and really working with them and getting their ideas. I'd love to see some of those secondhand brands. I mean, and there's big shops out there who who could be working with these, you know, leaders in the fashion industry and, you know, doing partnerships and collaborations and giving them yes. on on how to do exactly what you were talking about. So I think, you know, I think it's still early days where we are seeing you know, innovation when it comes to the business model of these brands as well. The fact that they're da- even dabbling in secondhand at all, you know, was basically unheard of a few years ago. Yes. It was very, <laughs> very <true>. rare. <laughs> so, you know, hopefully it will turn into building more sustainable products um, and really pushing the needle on on those climate change goals. But we shall see.
1: Yes, I hope so. Um, okay, so we're coming to the end almost. Um, and I really am excited and really want to talk about the Vintage Seeker. I've been following your work for a while and think what you're doing in the resale market is incredible. So I'm excited to talk about what um, you do. So I want to start by asking, how did you get into the market to start? How did you, what was it about second hand that kind of like pulled you in?
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess that's probably a long and not that interesting story, but I, I've just always, uh, you know, been a shopper, I think really on and it wasn't on the fashion side at first, I'll admit, I'm a a plus size woman, and I found it very difficult to get into vintage fashion a few years ago, even, Um, you know, there's been a lot of change since then, there's a lot of brands who are, who are offering more options, but I did come into the Market, I guess, uh, from the decor and furniture side. So, mm-hmm. you know, I've just always been a consumer. I think the thing that drove me was just realizing that I didn't have to pay for stuff that falls apart at IKEA anymore, and that there was stuff <laughs> out there that was really well made and cool. Um, so, I've been a consumer for a long time, and I just kept kind of clocking all these experiences that I had, whether that was with customer service or just building relationships with my local vintage sellers over time. And, you know, how I ended up starting this was um, I was a B2B magazine editor and I'm a business journalist by trade. And I just, it was the pandemic and I had a lot of creative energy that I needed to put somewhere that wasn't (laughs) at the time. I needed to create some boundaries with uh, my job. So like a sensible (laughs) entrepreneur, I was like, what's, what's one more job? Um, (laughs) Yeah, it was just a niche with a need. So I uh, I started this and it was kind of like, if I don't do it, I will always regret it.
1: Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's not interesting. I think <laughs> that's <a> great. <laughs> I am big into like vintage uh, furniture and stuff like that and remaking it. Oh my God. It's like, if I need a garage yeah. and I need a house with a garage so I can just remake stuff.
2: Yeah, it is very fun. Uh, I like to, I've, I've done a few things myself, but now I'm just like, use, other people are more skilled. I will get them to do it for me.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, what's the thing that motivates you to help resellers in, um, the vintage market grow?
2: Yeah. You know, I think I'm passionate about, about the secondhand industry as a, you know, a long time consumer and about building communities that deliver value through the exchange of, of knowledge and connection. And of course, the power of information just from my background. And so, I'm able to do all of that with the vintage seeker while also championing small business. that's my favorite thing. I love to go out and support my industry at markets locally and to cheer them on. You know, one of the things that doesn't get talked about a lot um, in this industry at least in in terms of independent resale is so many of these vintage sellers and resellers are women or women identifying or non-binary, they're LGBTQ+, they're people of color. And they're just the non-traditional business owners that you think about when you think about who owns a business or the word entrepreneur. So the fact that I have this platform that I can help to amplify their shops and introduce them to shoppers, um, introduce their work to a wider audience is really what drives me.
1: I love that. Um, So how can listeners support, how can they support your business? So you could
2: check out our website, uh, thevintageseeker.ca. We're going to have a new one soon, like I said. Um, there you can subscribe to our newsletters. We have one for sellers specifically and one for general interest shoppers. So that's at thevintageseeker.ca slash subscribe. You can follow us on Instagram at the.vintage.seeker. And if you're a seller and you want to meet other sellers and level up your skills, you can visit sellerscommunity.ca
1: awesome okay so as you can probably tell we are wrapping it up I have one last kind of related kind of not uh question to ask before we wrap it up and that is what is the thing that you're most thank- grateful for in your work
2: wow that's a big question <laughs> I... and made it on a nice note Yeah, you know, I think I am grateful to have met so many incredible people who love what they do. I just, the fact that I get to help them share their stories and talk about what they do is really important to me. And I really think it's important to shine a light on the secondhand industry, the people behind it, and talk about how they contribute to sustainability, of course, meet people like you um who are you know uh secondhand industry adjacent and just yeah it's been an incredible experience you know uh doing what you love to do publishing content about something that you love i can't really think of much better
1: Awesome. All right. So we're going to leave the listeners with that. Uh, For those listening, thank you so much for joining and listening to our conversation. If you have any questions about how to get involved in um, the Vintage seller community or have questions for Christina, I will leave all her links in the show notes for you to check it out. And if you have any questions for me, you know where to find me. And with that, thank you so much. And I'll see you all in the next one.